greatest wide receivers of all time, Jacksonville Jaguars legend, Mr. Jimmy Smith. Jimmy, has everything going for you? Great, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So how, how's your summer going? Summer's going great. Uh, no complaints. Uh, first couple of days here in Dallas is probably like 90, 95 degrees. So summer has started. I see you still wearing a sweatshirt or hoodie. Yeah, it's a little cool in here, but it, it, it's getting there. It's getting there. It, you guys have the humidity. It's a little humid outside. It's a little cool in the house right now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what have been your thoughts on the offseason so far? I know we had the draft about a month ago or a little over, yeah, a little over a month ago. And then the guys are off right now until training camp starts. What have been some of your thoughts on some of the moves some of these teams have made? You want to hear my thoughts on teams or, or my nice? team? Your team, any team, anything that kind of caught your attention? Yeah, I don't, I don't follow anybody else's team. I just concentrate on Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, Jack, so you got Tebow, Trevor Lawrence, made some moves. Urban Meyer, what are your thoughts? Trevor's ATM. Uh, I'll tell you what, we've got the national media's ear right now, and a lot of people don't like that. Uh, we had a tough season last year, going 1-15, and 2-14, or whatever it was. Uh, so we definitely earned – the right to have the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence. I'm glad we got him. I'm glad we signed Tebow to uh, see Trevor Lawrence is going to lose this year. Trevor Lawrence hasn't lost for what four times during this entire career since he's been playing football. Yep. Well, he's going to lose some games this year in Jacksonville. So you got to have a guy like Tim Tebow in the locker room to help him deal with that. Uh, there are going to be some people pointing the finger at him. Hey, we should have drafted Justin Fields, not you. So he hasn't experienced that yet. So Tim Tebow is going to be an excellent guy. We, Tim Tebow, is he was signed as a tight end, but he ain't going to play no tight end. Don't expect for him. To, he may get in there on some plays, but don't expect for him to be the next Shannon Sharp or, 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 you know, Hall of Fame tight end. No, he's there to ensure that our locker room stays as a close-knit fam, uh, family-type deal. And he's a man that walks by faith, so I would have him in my locker room any day of the week. So you think he's going to be like the Jags equivalent of like a Udonis Haslam? Like he's barely going to play, but he's going to keep everything kind of together? I think so. I think that's that's a real good role for Tim Tebow, provided, you know, uh, he makes the team. I can't see why he why sign him if he didn't have a shot to make the team. I think uh, not because of his athletic ability, but because of his relationship with Urban Meyer. I wish I had a relationship with Urban Meyer. You know, I think we all do. Uh, so hats off to Tim Tebow. I think he'll do well in Jacksonville. Um, so do you think so, so do you think they're gonna keep Minshew or do you think they should trade Minshew? Well, Minshew's my homeboy. He's from Brandon, Mississippi, so I'm always pulling for him to stay as a Jacksonville Jaguar. You never know if Trevor goes down. He's a solid backup to bring in. Uh, his completion ratio is out of this world. He, he's he's a uh, he's a quality, quality a good good quarterback to have uh, as a backup. So I'm I know Mitchu may not want to hear that because he believes that he may be a starter, but I believe he's he's a good backup to have uh, on our squad within our franchise, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Were you surprised they took ETNA after James Robinson had a phenomenal year last year? Yes, I was surprised. I was surprised that we took Travis ATM, uh, but I now see how um, Coach Urban Meyer is utilizing him in the system. He's lining him up immediately at wide receiver. 
I'm sure he'll do some return work. I'm sure he'll use them uh, various ways, uh, just as long as they get the ball in his hands. Because it's getting to the point now to where it's not going to be enough balls go, to go around, and that's a good problem to have on the NFL team. You know, you got Trevor Lawrence, you got James Robinson. He's going to be handing the ball off first as a priority. And then when things open up in the secondary, you know, you got to get the ball to DJ Chark, Savisca. Uh, uh, you got you got some guys, some playmakers out there. So we'll we'll see how it works. What about on the defensive side of the ball? Any guys that intrigue you? I really, I really haven't been focusing on the defense, but I, I do like the uh, acquisitions that they've made. Uh, so we'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, but my, my focus has been all on that offense, man. Do you, do you- uh, and I like what they're putting together. That's awesome. Do you think Chark is one? Is, 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 what do you, is he the best receiver they've had since you and Keen over there? Is he the best? No, uh, I think Allen Robinson would probably fit that mold. Probably been the best outside of me and Keen McCardell. But Chark, he has a, he has a chance. You got to give him the benefit of the doubt, man. He uh, he hadn't had many opportunities, I should say, in my eyes. But I think uh, I mean he's made one Pro Bowl. Uh, I thought last year uh, we fell off a little bit, but I think with Urban Meyer coming in there, re-energizing things, letting him know, letting our number one receiver know, DJ Chark, hey, you got to get stronger and faster. And that's what a head coach is all about. If my head, when my, if, he, if, he, if he tells me that, then I'm going to get stronger and faster because it's telling me one thing, that they're going to rely on me to make plays, and therefore they're going to be getting me to rock. So what are your expectations for the team for this season? Because I don't think they're – they're not expecting playoffs, but just, anything is just growth from last year. Well, right. I, I, I don't think there'll be a playoff team, but there'll be a, a team that's, that's going to compete. I just want to see a team that's going to get out there, compete, and fight in the fourth quarter when they have the opportunity to win the game. That's all I want to see, regardless if they win or not. You know, they have to learn to win. You don't just come in the NFL and start winning. You know, you have to you have to go. It's a process. You hear about this process all the time. But some of that process for these NFL team is learning how to become winners. And right now, they're they're not winners. They're losers. They just came up a season last year where they went one and fifteen. Yeah. So they're losers. Yeah. So I want, I want to ask you a little bit about your career. So um, I saw, I saw you went to Jackson State. So I want to ask you, what do you how do you think Dion's doing? Yeah, I went to Jackson State. I'm a, I'm an alum there, and uh, I think it's awesome that Dion Sanders is there. Um, he's he's already done a lot for HBCUs as a whole, not only Jackson State, but you just look at that deal, that hundred million, couple hundred million dollar deal that he got Pepsi to put up for all HBCUs. He's going to hold people accountable in in these uh, historically black universities, you know. And that hasn't been done before more years and we're going to be competing with Alabama and Slaughter Cruz. Yeah, I said it. Alabama. One more time, you broke up a little bit. I want to repeat that. I, I said give us uh, two, three more years as far as recruiting. We're competing. And I'm talking about Jackson State with Alabama as far as recruiting. Did you hear that? I heard it. Jackson State, two or three years. You heard it, okay. All right. And I, yeah. Yep. All right. So what was your experience like playing there? How did it kind of grow your game? 
Well, it was a good experience because my dad, my father went to Jackson State, and I wanted to follow in the same footsteps as my daddy, uh, along with some more players that played with my dad. Their sons also decided to go to Jackson State. So it was kind of like a second generational thing. And then, you know, Jackson State was considered one of the top HBCUs in the country. Uh, also, you know, they've been leading attendance forever. And uh, and it's 10 minutes from, from where I grew up. Oh, cool. That's not bad. It's easy to commute. Did, did, I have a question. Did Deion reach out to you to see if you had an interest in coaching? No, he did not. And he don't have to. You know, I, I was just so excited then that uh, if he did reach out, then I, I'm not going to turn him down. You know, but he doesn't have to hire me as a coach. He can hire give that opportunity to somebody else. You know what I'm saying? I'll come out and and, and just give my little two cents worth where it's needed if he needs that. But he doesn't he doesn't need that. You know, I'm just happy and proud that he is the head coach of Jackson State, my alma mater, and uh, I couldn't be more happier uh, for my school that Deion Sanders is the head coach at Jackson State. Yeah. Then I want to ask you, when did that, when did they kind of like the scouts sort of come on your radar about saying, hey, you could be a top NFL pick? I would say my, I would say the end of my junior year at Jackson State, I began to realize that I had a chance to go to the NFL. And uh, even though when I, when I did realize that I did not want to come back my senior year and play, of Jackson State because I was losing my quarterback and I thought that would uh, damage or hurt my draft status, whatever it was at the time. And uh, But I wasn't ready for the NFL. And even my senior year being the top senior receiver taken, I still wasn't ready for the NFL when I got to Dallas. Because when I opened that playbook up, it was like really Chinese arithmetic. I had no clue what was going on. Interesting. And so how, how did you go from Dallas? How did you end up in, in Jacksonville? Well, I had gotten Jimmy Johnson had left the Cowboys. Barry Swisher came in to take over. And we all know that whole ordeal between Jimmy and Jerry and Barry. And I was pretty much caught up in that. And Jerry, you know, um, Let's see, how did it go? Well, I just remember Barry Swisher calling me into his office. So they offered to cut my pay to 135000 a year or to release me because I think I was scheduled to make two fifty. Uh, and uh, so at the time, I had two Super Bowl championships under my belt, and I wanted to play. I knew that I wasn't going to be playing sitting on the bench behind Michael Irvin. So I wanted to go elsewhere and give my stuff a chance to uh, get from underneath Michael Irvin and go out and play. And I got exactly what I asked for. And when it happened, I got cut, got released by the Philadelphia Eagles. I came in as the number 14th receiver. A month later, I was number four and still got cut. Keeping in mind that most teams keep five receivers, but I got caught up into the John Wooten and uh, Richard Kotite little scuffle there. I was Kotite's guy. She was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles back then. He called me in his office and said, hey, you're just not good enough playing the NFL. Basically. 
and uh, give me my walking papers, and I would, it was over with until the Jacksonville Jaguars announced that they had that team. I gave it a, gave it a shot down there. And the, the Jags just come into existence. What was that like kind of joining like an expansion franchise? Well, joining the Jags, it was like a revolving door, I thought, of guys coming in and uh, going out. And I didn't really want to go down to Jacksonville because of that. And But I'm glad I did because he gave me the opportunity to become a franchise leading receiver through a lot of hard work. That's awesome. What was like the the, the fan base like? Were they were the fan base like just hyped for the team there from the get go, or did it take until you guys started winning some games that people started really coming to the stadium? The fan base has always been tremendous in Jacksonville, even before we got there in '94. I mean, our fans have always been lit consistently throughout, regardless of we winning or losing. Now, keep in mind, no, nobody likes losing, but. We still got, got some pretty diehard fans. And, man, I'll tell you, I enjoyed playing in front of those fans. And I enjoy the fans today being able to reach out to them via social media and communicate with them. Uh, I get great pleasure out of that. And, to, you know, to hear the stories of, hey, you gave me a glove or, hey, you signed my ball or, or you threw me a rag or something after a game. And I, I love connecting with people because I never got a chance to do that had it not been for social media. So it gives me a chance to connect with them. And I'm eternally grateful for doing that. Absolutely. So when, when you got there, you said it was like a revolving door. You really didn't expect too much. What, when did the kind of the culture change? And you're like, all right, when did it kind of start rolling for you in that second season when you guys obviously made it to the AFC Championship? Well, it started rolling, uh, I guess, well, towards the end of 95, I began to get a lot of playing time. The last five games, I got some playing time in 95. after playing on special teams all year. Come back in 96, and they signed Ken Mercado and Andre Rice. Uh, I wasn't happy about it. I was happy for Ken because we had the same agent, and I knew that Ken plays a different position. We, play, we both play wide receivers, but there, there are, are two, three, four positions of wide receiver. You know, you've got your perimeter guy, and then you've got your slot guys, and your midfield guys. You know, it depends on how the receiver is used according to their ability. So Ken is basically was a, uh, a guy who worked the middle of the field. I was a guy who was a perimeter guy. Andre Rising could do both. Uh, but Andre Rising, as influential as he was on my career and what I've gained from him uh, being a role model, uh, he, 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 uh, he got released in 96 um, for a lot of reasons. He ran the wrong round. Or, you know, it's just, it's, that's a whole other story, but I won't get into that. But uh, it, it was a pleasure to play, uh, play and learn from guys like Michael Irvin and Andre Rising. Uh, I learned a lot from both of those guys and probably uh, more than anybody, any other receiver in the NFL. Michael Irvin and Andre Rice, I learned the most from as far as uh, footwork releases, coming off the ball, stances, catching the ball, the whole nine yards, the whole art of route running. I learned from those two guys. Uh, but I was able to take over Andre's spot uh, in 96. Uh, I was actually, as a third receiver, leading the AFC in yardage. Because when I went in as a, as a third receiver, they would move Andre from the first receiver to the third receiver. 
and I will come in as a first receiver. So you can pretty much see the writing on the wall. And uh, well, Andre wasn't happy, but and, and ended up getting released, and the rest is history. Uh, became franchise leading receiver. That's awesome. Who's the toughest DB for you to match up against? Uh, I would say Deion Sanders. I would say uh, Samari Roll from the T- Tennessee Titans. Oh, Pac-Man Jones, Ty Law. I go on and on. You know, all of those guys. Uh, uh, Sam Madison from uh, the Dolphins. All those guys are top-notch defensive backs. And I, I you know, I, they gave me, obviously, you know, Ty Law and Samari Roll gave me my toughest battles. Uh, I was I was stick Pac-Man Jones in there also because him as a rookie coming in with that attitude to where I had to fist fight him for four quarters was tough. And uh, a guy who didn't back down from anybody made it tough for me to run routes. So I give credit to those guys. Who's the best trash talker you ever matched up with? Uh, mm-hmm. there, there were some. I would have to say Fuller from the Cleveland Browns. Corey Fuller, we call him Boost Check. You know, I hope he watches this interview because he got on my nerves because he talked so much trash. I just didn't feel like talking trash. You know why? Because my game was loud. My game was so loud, I didn't have to say anything. But he just wanted to talk, talk, talk throughout the game. Now, Deion Sanders, when I lined up against him, his trash talking was different because he would come up to the line of scrimmage and ask me if I was a born again Christian or do I love the Lord or do I go to church? Uh, I knew what he was doing. He was trying to get me out of my game. Um, but I, I would say Corey Fuller would be the, the one that I can hear him in my head right now, trash talking to me. What was he saying? Anything stick out? Oh, man, just. I can't remember what he was saying. It was a whole bunch of gibberish, but I just, you just to hear his mouth. And it worked because he's the only defensive back to ever hold me to one catch, and he has a game ball for it. He even posted it on social media one time. So he, he, he gets a nod as far as, far as being uh, the only defensive back to hold me to one catch. I have a question. When when did when did you and Keenan McCardo when did you become Thunder and Lightning? Uh, me and Keenan McCardo became Thunder and Lightning after we did this uh, photo shoot for TV Guide. I believe it was 1997. Uh, we did a photo shoot for TV Guide. We were on the cover of TV Guide. Uh, that day we were doing a photo shoot. It was inside the stadium, which is we have an outside stadium. We don't have a dome, but. Uh, was a storm brewing and we were trying to hurry and finish the photo shoot and man we weren't we weren't we weren't beating that storm that storm was right on us and it was gonna have to shut it down early and it was thundering and lightning and we just kind of came up with the nickname right there thunder and lightning that's wild. I have a question did anybody from the cowboys reach out to you during your career saying like our bad we should have kept you a lot of people are still here today a lot of fans uh but it's it's uh when I hear teammates there like Kevin Smith, uh Robert Jones, you know, you know, a, a lot of guys, a lot of guys have uh have mentioned that. But that's the NFL. What about Jerry Jerry Jones? 
Uh, I saw Jerry Jones maybe two occasions. Uh, once when I was playing after a game, uh, after a Jaguar Cowboy game, I saw him. Uh, and he mentioned it. And then the other time I saw him was at an Emmett Smith uh, charity benefit in Allen, Texas, I believe. And uh, he asked me how my mom was doing because he knows my mom don't play. So that uh, was good for him to reach out and, and ask about my mom. Cool. Cool. I have a question. When did, when did Fred Taylor get there? Fred Taylor got there in 1998. What was, what was he like as a rookie? Fred was quiet and uh, he was quiet. Well, he's always, you know, normally a quiet guy. He's not a rah-rah guy. Uh, but, but Fred is, uh, became one of my best teammates, one of my best friends. Had a lot in common. We connected a lot. And we knew that in order for that franchise to win offensively, that it was going to come down to number 82 and number 28 to make plays out there. And then do you have any funny Fred Taylor stories people might want to hear to kind of what was he was like? I do, I do, but I, I do, but I, I can't, I can't tell those stories. <laughs> what what are, you, are you surprised? Cause he's doing, you, had, you, you have, you, you have to pay for those stories now. <laughs> and just the fact that he has his new show, I am it's awesome. It's awesome because uh, it's a well put together show, and then with what Chad Johnson is doing, uh, you know, with with the boxing, it brings a lot a lot more attention to the show. So they're doing a good job. They just got to get me on the show. Oh, you haven't been on yet? No, I haven't. I've right, been talked got... about a lot. I've been talked about several times, but I haven't been on the show yet. All right, we got. I'll plug it right here. If you're listening, Brett right. Taylor, Ocho, Brandon Marshall, uh, Crowder, get Jimmy Smith on. Uh, I am athlete. Plus, plus I get the chef, which I think is the wildest thing out there. Those be casually just talking out in the blue. They're like, all right, here's what I got for you today. I'm like, this is the best, this is the best shit on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it is. I love it, it. It's awesome. Did you ever see, did you ever see Fred Taylor doing something like that? Or do you think, no, this guy's quiet. He's never going to be on doing anything on TV. Oh, yes. Fred can communicate very well. Yeah. It's just an uh, opportunity. Interesting. You know, and I think he got a real good opportunity with uh, Brandon Marshall and his show. And they got a good nucleus of guys. I don't think you you could replace any four of those guys. All those guys fit together uh, for that. Yeah. So, yeah. Then, then I want to ask you. So, what was it like to just dominate? What was it like just breaking all these? Obviously, Jackson was a newer franchise. You're setting all these records, just blazing, just having all the success. I think it's like one season you had sixteen hundred yards and change. What was it like just tearing up the NFL? It was great because I had just. To who I was supposed to be originally for the Dallas Cowboys, and able to get out there and produce the yards and the numbers that, that I did produce uh, at that time. And it, it came at the right time because it, it helped us, those numbers were a part of us getting to uh, one, one half. Two quarters from the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, and, then, and so the Jags a couple of years ago went back to the AFC Championship. Um, do you think they should have tried to keep that nucleus together? No, I don't think they could keep that nucleus together. Uh, and they didn't. You know, it just uh, maybe if they won, they could have. 
but uh, I think the personalities got in the way. The Eagles got in the way, and they weren't able to hold it together. But they had a lot of great talent on that team. Interesting. Interesting. And I just have one last question for I want to ask you. What was it like when you got named was it the pride of the Jaguars, like the Jaguars team? What was it like getting into that, kind of being enshrined as one of the best? To- yeah, I mean, the, 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 the pride of the Jaguars is basically the Jaguars Hall of Fame. Yeah. And it, um, internally, grateful for it. Uh, I think uh, our owner, Shai Khan, uh, who wasn't the owner there when I was playing, but for him to acknowledge uh, my play and what I have done for the franchise, um, eternally grateful to Jaguars Hall of Fame in the pride. That's awesome. Who should be? Who's the next? Who's the next guy you want to see get in there? Get in trying. Uh, I would like to see Keenan get in there. My running back. That's awesome. Well, that that's really all the questions. Really happy. Um, how can people follow you on social media? Keep up with you and, and just kind of just, just you can follow me. You can follow me on all social media platforms at Jimmy Smith Jags. J A G S. Jimmy Smith Jags. Awesome man. Awesome man. Well, that do appreciate you taking the time. It was awesome chatting with you. Really appreciate it. Glad all is well. Can't wait for the season to start back up. But it's been a pleasure. <laughs>